Hello and welcome to the latest Lancet podcast. Richard Lane with you on Thursday, October the 30th. This week we're discussing Ebola once again, a topic that needs no introduction. Earlier I spoke to David Heyman, who is Professor of Infectious Disease Epidemiology at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, also of Public Health England. Professor Heyman was involved with others in a very interesting discussion on Twitter about priorities for managing the Ebola outbreak in West Africa. Also to mention that Professor Heyman is a very busy man and I just managed to grab him while he was having a cup of coffee before going to an important meeting. So apologies for the background noise and less than brilliant sound quality of the interview. But I think you'll agree what he has to say is clear and very important as we further our knowledge about how to manage the disaster of the Ebola outbreak in West Africa. Professor Heyman, many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet. You've been involved in a very interesting uh, Twitter discussion with Richard Horton and also David Maybe that um, brought up some interesting questions. And I just want to tease out a couple of those things. Interestingly, while we're, everyone's talking about the international response, one of the key messages I got was the need for other African countries to help the affected countries in West Africa, Africa helping Africa. Yes, I think that this has already been shown. Professor Moyembe, who was actually the first person to investigate an outbreak of Ebola back in 1976, has had a team from DRC, supported by the president's office, go to Guinea early on in the outbreak in Guinea to help train people there in, in French, in their language, and to help them understand the importance of a rapid response and a robust response to Ebola. They were there for several months, and now they're actually ready to go to other sites, including Sierra Leone and Liberia, and are just waiting for support to do that. In addition, there has been um, cross-Africa collaboration in many other areas as well in behavioral science, not just in the epidemiology of outbreaks and containing outbreaks. So this is really an important way of facilitating um, understanding among Africans about how to deal with this outbreak. But in terms of, quotes, the international response, both in terms of money and resources, there needs to be an, a, an outside Africa response as well as an inside Africa response and the coordination of the two. Well, you know, the horse is already out of the barn and running. And what's important now is that governments, with support from the UN system, coordinate all the goodwill that's already been provided to these countries not to continue to demand more. We don't know exactly where the gaps are because they're not clearly identified in countries. In fact, just yesterday at a meeting, uh, we were talking about the number of hospital beds that might be available in these countries, and there's no tally of those hospital beds. So how is it possible to know how many beds are required when it's not known how many beds there are now? So these are the things that are best done at the national level. There's a good emergency operations committee supported by the international community, including the UN system. And I know that Public Health England, for example, is now supporting the Emergency Operations Committee in Sierra Leone with a technical person there who will be there six months helping them do what's necessary to do. One of the tweets from the Twitter discussion was the importance of focusing on the here and now and the short term and actually not to look too far ahead and try and project into the future. Is that right? Is that something you believe is, is, is a priority, to focus on the here and now and the short term? Well, that's always been my feeling about any outbreak. What's most important is to stop it with the tools we have today and at the same time, in the case of Ebola, make sure that when new products are available to test, they be tested and they be tested in rigorous clinical trials because the only time you can study medicines or vaccines is during an outbreak. There are some things that could be studied now, however, that need to be 
prioritize. And that is the first, understanding how to best maintain people alive while they have Ebola. Better fluid management. Is it oral? Is it intravenous? Is it a combination of both? How do you do this to keep people alive long enough so that their immune systems can fight the infection itself? And second, what's the role of convalescent plasma, that is blood from uh, survivors and the antibody they've produced, can that be used to effectively treat persons with Ebola infection? And that's studies that need to be done right now to determine whether or not this, what would be a sustainable intervention in Africa is effective. Professor Moyembe, for example, during the outbreak in peak week in DRC in 1995, used whole bloods in order to provide immune sera. Uh, these were whole bloods from survivors of Ebola to see whether or not this would have an effect on patients. We gave this to eight patients, seven survived, but again, it wasn't a clinical trial. And after the first outbreak in 1976, I actually stayed on for two and a half months to collect blood and plasma from survivors that was then stored in Africa in case it might be useful when there was another outbreak. The next outbreak didn't occur until 1995, and therefore um, the serum was no longer useful. But it's something that needs to be tested rapidly, and there's African know-how in how to do it. Okay, so we should be doing that. And got to quickly ask you about vaccine development. Should we be jumping through phases one, two, and three and getting it out there as quickly as possible? Absolutely, we should be doing that as well, but one doesn't stop another. The priority right now is using the tools we have, the epidemiological tools of patient isolation, protection of hospital workers, contact tracing, fever surveillance of contacts, and community support with uh, safe and respectful burials and patient transport and systems to clean up houses after patients have been evacuated from those houses. So there are many things we need to be doing with African innovation to do it in urban areas while at the same time, when these new products come online, they must be tested. Are you optimistic that at the UN level that we're, we're getting a handle on it? There's a UN meeting today, I think, in Brussels, again, looking at where we are with the response. Do you sense that coordination is getting better? Are things getting clearer? To me, the coordination is something which must be done at the community level. And I'm very encouraged to see that there is a UN platform now established out of Ghana. And what also needs to be done is stronger collaboration within countries, and that can only be done by having the best people from the UN working in the countries with the governments to help them identify gaps and make sure that the goodwill that's already available is used properly. America seems to have got itself in a bit of a pickle about policies to do with quarantine. As you know, military personnel are being quarantined for 21 days. There's a lady who's been a healthcare worker who doesn't want to be uh, quarantined. She doesn't feel it's appropriate. America's policy seems to be uh, in a bit of a mess. It's very unfortunate that people are centered on health workers as objects because health workers are people. And those people have volunteered in a very serious and, and very difficult situation to help other people. So they should be treated as people and not as objects. I can give you an example firsthand of a colleague of mine who's working at CDC, he's British, and he was through London on Monday. He came through the airport, he sent messages about where he should report if he develops a fever. They knew he was coming in from West Africa. He spent the night with me, and nobody will be infected from that contact. He wasn't at all himself infectious. Even if he is infected, he didn't have a fever. And so, you know, What's important is for the people who come out of Africa to understand the importance of reporting to a health facility if they develop a fever and to know where they can report and be treated properly.
Just summarise what you think the priorities are for the next 60 days. Priorities for the next 60 days are, number one, stop the outbreak using the epidemiological tools that we know have worked in other situations, but making sure that there's African innovation to do that. And it's possibly important to have African cooperation in doing this from people who have experience with outbreaks in Uganda, in DRC, working with the teams in West Africa. The second thing is to continue to encourage the development and phase one and two trials of products which are available, and when they become available, eventually getting them into clinical trials. But more important is to make sure that we understand how to maintain people alive long enough for their immune systems to kick in and take over the infection, and to look at other things which might be sustainable, such as using convalescent plasma to treat patients who have infection, if indeed this is shown to be effective in rigorous clinical trials. David Heyman from Public Health England. Very good to talk to you. I'll let you get on and go to your next meeting. Thanks for talking to The Lancet. Thanks very much.